Welcome everyone to this episode of Leaders Tribe Podcast. We have today a very special guest from Spain. I'm very excited to have him here. Fran was introduced to me by a person who has followed me for a while. And when I wrote, when I made a post about whom I should invite, which inspiring leaders I should invite to the podcast, uh, then this was one of the people who was introduced. And then I texted Fran and asked if he would like to be at the podcast. And he said, yeah, totally. And uh, I already got very positive introduction to him because the a friend, a follower who introduced me to him said that he really changed his life. He was such an inspiring mentor and leader. So very, very happy to have you here. And we'll be diving into a lot of different topics uh, such as deep tech, sustainability, biodiversity, and Spanish startup ecosystem uh, as Fran is knowledgeable in, in all of them. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself so that people also get a deeper perspective. Okay. Hi, Mika. Thanks for having me. Um, thank, thank to Vigi for loving me so much. I'm from, I'm a bioentrepreneur, passionate about social innovation, and I'm more specializing on synthetic biology, synthetic biology and sustainability, because my goal is to create a positive impact, mainly uh, creating synergies with, with more people. How, how, how did you get there? What, what was your journey to get to where you are right now? Okay. Basically, uh, since I was a kid, I, I was so interested in entrepreneurship. Also, probably that word didn't exist yet. But I, I, I am really curious. So I was like, okay, I really want to understand how the human being works. So I will start biomedicine and biochemistry is pretty similar, kind of, at least in, in since our approach. So I started studying biochemistry, but I was more focused on entrepreneurship. And it was like, I need to do something different. And I started my own biotechnology project, taking advantage of IGEN, that is an international competition of synthetic biology. Mm -hmm. And how did you get into the leadership topic? When did you start? Like, what, what was your first actual venture and what, what is it about that you built? Okay, I, I feel that being a leader is more like, it's more aligned with the person. Like, since I was a kid, I was, I was usually the captain or I, I am really responsible and I feel really commitment with everything. So my first leadership opportunity or experience was like leading, leading, you know, like being the representative of the class in my institute, in high school, in university, leading the, the football team. But the first professional one was talking about IGEM. Maybe I should explain what is IGEM. Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, okay. sure. Okay, IGEN is an international competition that was born in the in Boston in the MIT. Right now, it's based in France, and each year, almost 400 teams of undergraduates and postgraduate students compete for develop a SimBio project. Synthetic biology is basically using the engineering approach to develop a, bio, a biological project, but the students or the people should also look for the funding, the communication, everything. It's a, a close project, but they are the the owners of the project. And who can participate in this? What what are the prerequisites to participate in this competition? So basically, the main competition is for undergraduate until four until twenty four years old. But there are other other leagues like high school or postgraduate. But for example, Digit or Feeling Common is participating in Imagine a Startup. That is where I am working. That is basically take the knowledge that you obtain for IGEN and create your own bio startup. Mm -hmm. So it's for students who are studying something like that, or you can study anything but have interest in this topic and participate. The second one, 
because synthetic biology is like open to everyone and mm -hmm. the teams are usually multidisciplinary and transversal. So even if you are like in marketing, you could develop the project. Of course, you need a basis, but if you are a fast linear, it is not so difficult. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, so you can just apply with an idea or you don't even need an idea to participate? Oh. No, you can apply without the idea, but you will need funding. <laughs> and with funding, you will have access to the lab to develop your project. For example, I discovered IGEN when I was doing an internship researching cancer in Nestopon at the Carolina Science Team. So I understand the idea and I was like for a whole month applying for funding. I obtained funding for my university in Malaga, in Spain, and I developed my own project. But of course I needed the money, money first, and then create, creating the team, accessing to the lab, developing the project. I mean, I, I feel that what you need is to be resilient and have your purpose and go, be a go-getter. Mm -hmm. And what was your project about that you've applied with or that you've been doing during the competition? Okay, what we said, it was that we transform a waste of sauce into a waste, into a source of creativity. Because <laughs> here in Andalusia, the cooking oil is like the the most important thing. We are the main exporters in the world. And uh, the waste cooking oil is, is pretty bad for the environment, for the people, but others, whatever. So we take the waste cooking oil and add a yeast that we modify genetically and we create biopainting, more sustainable with the environment. Wow. So just the cooking oil that I'm using in McDonald's, for example, for cooking or like just in the frying pan, when I'm, when I've used it, I'm collecting it and then I'm adding this ingredients that you are producing. And then the painting is like that. The paint is created, right? Is, did I get it right? Yeah, kind of, because we need like to have the waste cooking oil more homogeneous. Um, for example, in McDonald's, we don't know how many, how many uses they have, but it's basically take that. As a source, we have the yeast, and the yeast produce the biopigment that will constitute the biopainting. But so yeah. Okay, and and it's still working. Did the project work out? Not really. That's a problem that we have in Spain. That basically the universities own the project, the pro the intellectual property. Mm -hmm. So we finish the project, and the university don't decide to don't don't go on with the project. So IGEN in reality is designed to develop a project for a, a year. Participate in the competition and then uh, pave the way and let others develop their own project. Ah, okay. So, but you couldn't, if they decided to not go forward with it, you couldn't take and do it? Yeah. They, they couldn't like give away the rights to you? you? You could take it. Maybe you will have some conflict, but the main problem in Spain is that you don't have web lab access. So if you can access to a lab, you can develop any further. So it doesn't make sense. And anyway, we have a, we have a mentor or, or inspiration was in London, Rodrigo Ledesma Group. So the idea, it was not owned or, or not completely owned. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, it's, it's complicated. I see Spanish. Yeah. It's really complicated. <laughs> Spanish research and entrepreneurial landscape. Uh, so let, let's come to the current situation. What are you doing now? What are the projects that you're running? Is I've heard you're a mentor for some people, right? Entrepreneurial mentor. But what are other things that you're doing and um, how is it going? Okay, uh, yeah. Basically, I'm running the Spanish Synthetic Biology Association. I'm the founder president. And a part of that, I'm, I'm working in a startup in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. That's why I, I meet Vicky. And I'm developing an entrepreneurship, an entrepreneurship project that is basically three verticals. Lab access, because it's the gap that we, we need. 
a transfer from lab to market because we have like acetylidium but bio because in Spain we have a lot of acetylidium program but not bio and then fundraising we have a portfolio of investors and the idea that we are not developing it yet is to to let them access to the startup that we are incubating and get benefit from that so it's basically leading the association creating the this project and also working like a freelance for example with an startup or disseminating science to the touch. Okay, so you're a synergist in a way. You're taking different stakeholders, you're building bridges, as you said it when we get to know each other, right? Yeah. You're creating connections between stakeholders that are usually separated. Mm -hmm. What did what yeah. did you learn what did you learn in this process of bringing people together? Because I think the society is getting more and more divided in a way. And but we at the same time see that we can only create a really sustainable future of different stakeholders collaborate, like the state with the research, with the, with the business. All right. So what did you learn about bringing people together, bringing stakeholders together that others can learn from? Yeah. I will say that is because I'm pretty random. I mean, I'm always eager to learn. So I literally have conversation with everybody. Um, I, I think the same, for example, in science it's like, at least in Spanish, in Spain, it's like, if you study science, you will have to be an academic. But they don't teach you about how many exits you have, like, for example, being a entrepreneur, working in a consultant firm, whatever. So it's, I think it was born from the frustration of, of being like, okay, I'm, I'm a person, I'm more complex than only being like a professional working in a lab. So from my own frustration, I start moving and it was like, okay, I don't want that the young pe younger people than me have to tackle this issue like me. So. I'm like creating synergies with the senior and trying to pave the way for the juniors. Because the, the first few years, because I have been like working in that for four years, uh, professionally three years, but in the beginning, it is it's almost in, it's, it's almost impossible because uh, you always see like the door is closed mm -hmm. and people don't take you seriously. And then, you know, the snowball start running and suddenly everyone believes in you. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult for juniors. Mm -hmm. What what was this like for you? This turning point from closed doors to open doors. Do you have this moment when you didn't you did something or something happened or you know you got to know someone and then the doors suddenly started being open and people started to get you into their doors? Was there like how yeah how did it work for you? When we finished the project, because usually the projects are led by the professors, but in in our case it was led by me and my team, and when we finished that with almost. Twenty twenty thousand dollars, and we appeared in international international you know papers, in local programs, and everything. It was like okay, maybe he has something to say, mm -hmm. and then it's like I start knocking more doors and saying okay, these people believe in me. But I think the the main point was when Promega, that is one of the more the biggest biotech enterprise, trust me, like trust me individually, like okay, do whatever because I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. And they have been financing me since 2021. And it's like, if you go for another big enterprise like Bayern and say, okay, Romero has been trusting me since 2021. It's like, okay, it makes sense. It's like a signaling. Mm, okay. So basically staying consistent and like work on your thing and knock on the doors and then try to get some partners that are, that have a big name that trust you and they are like your door opener. Yeah, it's, it's like be, being being on high end shoulders. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Also for for people building their business or entrepreneurs, 
finding at least one person who will believe in you and then asking this person to support you to to share that's probably what uh, well that's what you're doing for the juniors right now right yep. and you're, you are the giant and they can they can step on your shoulders to to grow faster so it's a... I, I think so <laughs> i'm trying at least but yeah first to become thirsty to become the giant yourself then you can support the others and i think it's a yeah, it's a cool, and cool. It's, it's difficult because I have to, to find the balance between being like the giant for them and being a child for the giant, giant, people more giant than me. Because it's like, of course, my day has only 24 hours and sometimes I, I'm like, okay, I'm not taking the good decision professionally. I'm more focusing on the personal ones and I should get the balance again. Mm-hmm. For example, when, I, when I'm mentoring people, some weeks I spend more time mentoring people that working in the in the business project, I mean, it was like, I shouldn't I shouldn't do that. Um, okay, thank you for uh, explaining that. The next question I would have was about sustainability and the role that sustainability has in future businesses. Because I mean, you are now working specifically in the sustainability area in biodiversity and so on. But there are a lot of businesses which may, primary goal is mostly just profit i mean they're doing some some nice things sometimes sometimes not so nice things but uh sustainability is not always the focus if you're out of this sustainability bubble in a way but sustainability is not a bubble it's like it's important for everyone so how are your experiences so far with making businesses more sustainable and yeah what what advice would you give to someone else who is running a business to how can they make their business more sustainable Okay, when I thought, when I think in sustainability, I have to, to introduce like the triple sustainability. That is basically social, environment, and economic one. Because some people are more focused in the economic one, and the environment is like maybe for, for, for greenwashing, but it's not necessary, and, and the same for social. But I think that what we need is leaders with strong values that really know how to, how to establish priorities. For example, talking about environment, if you if you don't have enough funding, maybe you could do some partnership with people to have more funding to to invest in doing the right thing. I, I have some example that is funny, but it shouldn't be funny. For example, when we were doing our project, some people don't have like this background and they didn't understand that you should then you should then like take off some products in the in a normal area. But okay, they didn't know, but I have seen, I, I can't say where, but I have seen that some people to don't don't waste more resources, do the bad thing. For example, you know, some if something is hazard, you should then use like if you are using a Kleenex or something like that. And the excuse that we use, for example, in I think in academia it is something similar, is like, okay, we don't have enough resources and if we want to, to reach the point, we should use that. We should do things that are not good. But we should we should develop more ethics. I mean, maybe we 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 don't have to go to that point. Maybe we we should go to that point, or even better, maybe we should like create more pies and don't try to divide to divide the pies. Mm-hmm. It's it's like we I I think we need a blue ocean approach because of course we don't have enough resources. But if we are like competing for resources and doing the bad thing, we, the, what we are projecting for more people. Is to do the bad thing and do what it takes, and it's it's not necessary. It's not necessary to be like a bad person or don't respect the environment or try to compete economically. I don't think so. Mm. 
maybe I, I, I did not answer your question, but it, what I want to say is that sometimes when you tell people that they are not doing the right thing, for example, with the environment, they use this, the excuse of money. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, the thing that we should do is try to create money or try to don't invest money in things that we wish we could obtain for free, for example. So, so what you're like to, to sum it up, it's in general to ask yourself a question, how can I be more sustainable? How can I act in a more sustainable way in my business than if I'm taking any decision to add this layer of how can it, how can this decision, is this decision more, more sustainable? Is it positively contributing to the environment or at least neutrally, or is it harmful? And if it's harmful to then ask yourself, maybe I, I should take another decision or maybe I should adapt it in a way, or maybe I should find a way to make it less harmful for the environment, right? Yeah. So in general, to bring, in, instead of just having this economical approach of like, okay, what's the cheapest and what's like cheapest, fastest, uh, less, least expense to add this sustainability factor. As you said, it was economical sustainability. That's what most people anyways check in the business, then social sustainability and environmental sustainability, right? These were the three yeah. areas that we were talking about. So just to add these three levels to decision-making process, right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You just found me, you just found me great. So basically it's like build more self-awareness and going from inside to outside, not trying to do like the right thing only when people are, are looking for somebody being what, like doing green washing. It's more like having a strong values and act according to that. I have a good example and I promise it's not because they are my sponsor, but Promega really, really acts in that way. So it's like what, what do they do? Commitment with everyone. What what are they doing? Because I, I I'm not familiar with that. Maybe you could. Okay, so. uh, Promega. Maybe they kill me if, if I don't describe them well. But it's basically they support uh, the labs in the world. They are based in the USA, but they have uh, some presence here, and they and they give like you know the culture media or pipette or whatever you need to develop an experiment. Mm-hmm. So it is a B2B for other scientists. Oh, okay. But they invest a lot in the social corporate responsibility. And for example, they have program to, programs to mentor, you know, women in science or that they finance different Congress for juniors, seniors. So they are they are always building bridges. Mm. Okay, got it. Based on, based on what we just shared, I wanted to ask you a challenging question. It's more like a philosophical question. So you mentioned greenwashing a couple of times. And greenwashing for, for, for people who maybe are not familiar with that, it's when a company is doing something to like pretend they are sustainable or like, uh, I don't know, they say we reduced our CO2 by so-and-so, but it actually happened because they, I don't know, uh, reduced the, the cost, whatever. But like for, it's for companies to build their brand image, to improve their brand image through showing that they're sustainable, but actually not being really sustainable. So a question to you. What do you think in terms of brain uh, greenwashing? Is it better than nothing? Because it's somehow still, if a company does greenwashing and people around see, oh, they're doing something for sustainability, it's improving their brand image, but it also might inspire people out on the streets to be more sustainable, right? So like it has this positive effect. If they wouldn't do it at all, then it wouldn't have, like wouldn't improve their image, but it also wouldn't have this effect on others. So this general increasing of awareness for sustainability. So what do you think in terms of greenwashing? Is it better than nothing or it's, it has, is this harmful in general? I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, greenwashing is better than nothing, but 
I mean, people people are not silly. They they don't they know that there are these big companies that they are not sustainable at all, and if they try to do the greenwashing, they notice. But of course, it's better like pretending to do something than doing nothing. Literally, <laughs> the point is the point is that if they have to bring into the table the greenwashing concept, it's because they don't, they know that they are not sustainable at all. For example, um, the the enterprise that I feel aligned with. They are not selling the concept of greenwashing. They are doing, and and people can see that. But other, what are from companies that everyone knows? What are companies that are doing really good, not greenwashing, like or doing it really well sustainably, or which are not coming from the sustainability uh, biological area, like from the big names? Do we have good examples of who's doing what? That, that's a tricky question because I feel that if uh, an enterprise is really good, it's difficult. And for example, I couldn't say an example in the fashion in the fashion area. For example, you know, in the text is Spanish. They are not sustainable at all. And sometimes the the director, well, the ex director, uh, give finance and is like, okay, I'm being a good person. But for example, talking about if, if we talk about science in the scientist part, I feel that there are some big enterprises, for example, Bayer that probably in the past they have done some damage because, I mean, Bayer built by both Monsanto and Monsanto raised the issue of Gimios. But right now they are like having this humanitarian approach and they are like really working for society. But it's difficult because people from outside say, okay, maybe you are doing like greenwashing, pinkwashing, whatever, for your own beneficial. But as you say, it if they are creating a positive impact, it doesn't matter. But for example, Bayer is a, a big name in pharmaceutical and agriculture space that I feel aligned with. You know, okay. and I will say Spotify because I like the I like the values of Spotify. Are they are they doing something for for sustainability? I, I'm not sure, but the decision I mean not not completely, but the decision that they add on Google Google I think I feel is terrible too. But the decision that what 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 they trust me is that like I feel that they are aligned with my I mean it's something like spiritual, mm -hmm. but I feel I I'm aligned and I saw I know some people some engineers that are working in high levels and as human beings I really like them. and I feel that the enterprise is like the human beings that are like taking part of so I think for for Spotify it's not that hard to be sustainable because it's mostly like software as a service in a way, like it provides you with an app and then you're listening. I mean, they have some server costs. They they spend a lot of energy probably with like servers to save all the music, but they're, I, I think it's not that hard for them, not as hard for them as for McDonald's to be like yeah. ecologically okay. neutral. Well, one thing that for example, McDonald's or can are trying to do is doing the, like the zero kilometer approach value for local farmers and everything. I mean, it, it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's also interesting I feel that, that. Yeah. Sorry. Go go. I feel that that in every area you could improve, but in some areas it's really difficult to to create more positive impact than the damage that you are doing. And for example, McDonald's and fast food chains are are really difficult. Now, yeah. like it, it's probably at one point if you're very big like McDonald's. I mean, they're almost monopolist at the market and uh, the Burger King and, and so on, these big ones, they, it's somehow easier for them because they have a ton of money 
so they can actually invest and try to be more sustainable because this mart like if they increase the margin a little bit they will earn a little bit less but they can be more sustainable for smaller players who are just entering the game uh i feel like it's sometimes harder for them to be more sustainable just in terms of yeah. uh, revenues and so on uh but it's it's a uh, that's where they have to first care of ecological sustainability uh economical sustainability and like to survive in the, the economy and then they will start thinking about others but there are yeah. brands there are brands who are who are just not compromising on their sustainability factor on and environmental and social sustainability mm. and, and these ones i believe will be the winners in the future when the society will be more and more aware about all these topics of sustainability like people will just not i mean i, I don't buy nest the product since i've uh, watched this documentary about where their ceo said water is not a fundamental human right probably know that one i was just yeah. like whoa i'll never buy nestle again and I, I i was drinking a lot of this nesquik and ate kit cuts and stuff but then after that i was just like i boycott nestle more than 11 years by now and i believe that in the future the more sustainable your product is the the more ethical the the more yeah. successful it also be at the market i really hope so but sometimes it's difficult to put the spotlight on the human means like on that because now on a daily basis as you say it's easier to buy like from big supermarkets and everything because for example something like in spain we have some some initiatives that are like buy in local commerce that makes sense but sometimes local commerce is like two two times more expensive than buying in the typical supermarket yeah. and it's like okay i have like 500 500 euros for the whole mall how i can do it yeah so it's like sometimes you have to to, to decide between like <laughs> stir, <laughs> literally being really hungry or do the right thing and i think that you you could do the right thing without compromise yourself your business so of course mcdonald's could have like bigger bigger initiatives to be like more to be greener but at, and in your level you can do something to be better um yeah and there is there is also this governmental approach for example in europe they are giving more money to airlines than to building trains and stuff. So it's sometimes cheaper for you to travel from Berlin to Munich by the airplane than by Deutsche Bahn, which is like the the, the railway. And uh, that's tough, right? Because if, if people have to pick, sometimes people really travel, they travel in an unsustainable way by the airplane and because it's cheaper. Like, right, you know, you know, Ryanair, right? Everyone knows Ryanair one point it was like one euro to fly from berlin to berlin to london with ryanair if you book in advance i mean who, who wouldn't do it it's just it would be just like by human logic by regular human logic it would be ridiculous to pay 200 bucks to go by train when you can go for like 20 recently i was checking tickets 50 euros it's much cheaper than sustainable alternatives but it's because yeah. gov government is giving more money to support it and the same with meat um, meat options are sometimes cheaper in restaurants than the vegetable options. Then, and it's obvious that people are rather taking that. Most of the society is living like at the average or, well, average, that's most logically, but uh, a lot of people are, as, as you said, would rather go for their personal economical sustainability. And if you're getting salary of, I don't know, 1,200 or 2,000 euros, you are paying 1,000 for 
for uh, taxes than 500 for a flat. If you have just, just a little bit of money, you'll go to Lidl or to one of the you know, general supermarkets, buy the cheapest products to just survive. You're not, like, there is not much of sustainability thought behind it when it's about survival, as you said. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I have a I have a friend with Bethlehem. Well, she's from Switzerland, but she every decision that she takes is like being really conscious. And sometimes I feel like she, she's not being functional. <laughs> For example, she bought a fail phone that is a phone that is pretty sustainable, but is is a shit. Sorry for the word, but it's not. I mean, yeah. it's not a good phone. And for example, if, if she wants to travel from, I don't know, Germany to Spain, she always use the train. And I really admire her, but she's like working and sometimes she spends more time traveling than enjoying. And sometimes I, I'm like, okay, I want to do the right thing. For example, last week I, I was in Barcelona. I take the bus from Almeria to Barcelona. 13 hours, 13 hours by bus, by airplane, by, you know, by plane is like one hour, one hour and a half, maybe two, but we need to develop more infrastructures to really support that. And at least in Spain, something that we are doing right, right, right now is that we are investing more in trains and in railways and people are choosing railways uh, and not airplanes because, you know, airplanes is, is bad. You, you have to spend time. Sometimes they, they trick you and you, you lose money and time. And... Mm-hmm. It's difficult. But I, I would introduce the term of the Maslow pyramid. It's like if you are like in a survival mode, yeah. mode you shouldn't be, be worried about, the, about covering more necessities. And it, it's easier to do the right thing if you have like your salary and you have your house and everything. So... We should we should put more pressure in the people that are that are high in the Maslow pyramid. Yeah, true. Yeah, there there is this point that um, the governments like there is always this yeah try to reduce your ecological footprint, but then the governments are acting in the most unsustainable way possible, and the impact is like hundreds hundreds of thousands times worse than uh, of of the people themselves. So there is I, I've heard from a lot of people that they feel like fool that they reduce their life quality in a way and like try to do everything in the most sustainable way, spend a lot of time, spend a lot of, a lot of money, but then they hear from the government doing like most ridiculous thing. <laughs> so they feel a little bit like, uh, lied to in a way and they don't feel like playing a fair game or like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself back so much to support the environment, but then I don't know, countries like China are just producing so much more CO, especially like from people in Germany, I hear that. Uh, so like if, if America, if USA and, and China and India are producing so much CO, the, does my action here even matter? Me using the, the, uh, pasta plastic drinking straw, like metal straw instead of a plastic, but doesn't even make a difference if China is bumping millions of tons of, uh, <laughs> plastic every day into the ocean. Like. Does it does it even matter for me here in Germany? So this that, that's a critical question, right, to answer. It's really frustrating because if the population feel that the the leaders like the government and the big enterprise are like being cynical, it's like okay, if the CEO of a big company is saying to me that I should use plastic straws that are like that I should use plastic straws, and the other ones are literally a, a, a nightmare, and the CEO is like taking planes like every week. It, it was like, 
it, it was the point. Yeah. But I will say that it's more like from the inside, so for the outside, the outside, because we will see, I mean, you know, capitalism, and people are doing the right thing for them. And if you, if you, if you pay attention for the people that don't do the right thing, you you will become in another one. And there are some leaders that are like being sustainable. So we should we should give them more more visibility and don't don't give them to the real leaders that are like government and the cynical people. So what would be for us to wrap it up? What would be your advice to leaders and like regular businesses? And being more of role models for sustainability of making their business more sustainable, what would be like a couple of main tips you would uh, give them based on your experience working with companies and startups and being a founder yourself? Okay. I would say that putting a lot of effort in building self-awareness and creating this purpose-driven organization, when everyone in your in your organization really, are really aligned with being more sustainable in the three ways that I say, like environment, social, and economic, because if you teach them how to be sustainable, every decision that they, they will take is gonna is going to be in that way. Mm-hmm. For example, for our congress in Barcelona, we have some speaker in Paris and she and like institutionally, they only they are only allowed to take the train, even if they are like really far away. Mm-hmm. So if you implement this type of initiatives and people really understand what why they are doing that. Probably the, the enterprise is gonna transmit that they are sustainable for real. They they don't have to invest money in the greenwashing campaigns. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah. building building self awareness and putting a lot of effort, energy, love, whatever, in transmit to the to your team. And then let the, your team transmit to the to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So like what what I could add to that is that very often uh CEOs or like the C level they try to come up with things by themselves. But what really works well from my experience is actually bringing the team together or like asking who would like, if you have a bigger company, who would like to come together to discuss this topic and then creating like an ESG team, uh, ecological responsibility team, where the team itself or even your customers, that would be even cooler, right? Like you invite your customers to be a part of it, where you work out different initiatives that your company could implement. And then you have someone, you give someone time to actually be implementing these and giving a responsibility report uh, to the customers, to to your employees. I feel like this kind of collective approach involving different stakeholders would be super empowering. And it's not a response. I think it's just impossible if you're at the C-level, you're having so many responsibilities, you're trying <laughs> to keep your company alive. Uh, it, yeah. it, feel, it just feels like one more thing and it will always be the last priority most of the times. But actually giving it to people who are very interested and who are engaged and who would like to contribute to that. And even customers, very often they're criticizing. But if you give them the opportunity, they like not, it's not for everyone, but some might be interested in this kind of like collective approach. Even some people from the society who live in your region, who live in your area, that could be actually very empowering to have this, use this power of leadership to bring people together to work on cool sustainability approaches and actually implementing them, like give Italian. For this, we have I don't know, a million euros or even 10,000, 100,000 euros every year that go into these initiatives. You can submit them, we'll support them. That that would be a, like a real green action instead of greenwashing, right? Yeah, that, that, that would be awesome. But I feel that the person in charge of the sustainability department 
should have a C level or at least having the impact that it has like a, a C level. That don't be like down in the hierarchy, being in the same level. Because if not, it's like okay, sometimes I I pay attention to them and sometimes no. So it should be like the chief chief officer of sustainability. I don't know if that is CSO, yeah, <laughs> chief sustainability yeah. officer. Yeah, they can be there like chief happiness officer. Okay. Now, like, feel, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if that if happiness is seen, sustainability should exist. So yeah. yes. Cool. So at, the, at this in this positive note, what would be your your last message to people who are listening from from your experience from your perspective? What would you like to bring out to the world? Imagine million people would be listening to you. What would okay. you What would you share with them? Okay. The thing that I that I feel more grateful. I mean, first of all, being grateful with the people and try to give give first because outside there are a lot of people trying to help other people. And if you help them, probably they will help you like 10 times bigger. And I'm pretty sure that I'm where, where I am right now because a lot of giants help me because they, they see the light on me. I mean, it's not difficult to see the light. You, you only have to be authentically. So be grateful, have patience. The world needs patience and try to help first. And of course, uh, improve your human connection, like being vulnerable, like in you know, dissolving ego or implementing more humors, more more humor. So I think that for being a good leader, you only need to be like a good person. <laughs> and that, that's all, no? That's a, it's a great summary. So be be grateful, approach people because people are out there want to help. Very often, I also help myself back thinking, ah, oh, you know, I'm just by myself. But it's a good mindset that you're sharing that out there, there are people that are willing to help you as, as your story with the guy who introduced me to you then and uh yeah just being positive improving your human skills because i think in in childhood and school there are many things that are just being just pushing us down to make us yeah. compliant to the society and then we need to unlearn these things and learn to ignite our inner fire again and there was those my situation with school where you know i was just like and for, for that it's really important to be surrounded for more people that are that they have they sparks in life yeah be patient yeah this this human light it's a it's a great great finish i will be putting the links to fran who wants to connect to him on linkedin and uh yeah the competition that he mentioned if someone wants to participate in the links below the podcast let us know in the comments how this episode was for you and fran thank you so much for coming it was a really really nice conversation with you which is gracias <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that time. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>